This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. Whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. What will be, will be. Welcome back to You Should Watch, a limited series recap podcast. I'm Joe Lipset, and I'm joined by Sheree Bohannon. Hey, Joe, hey! <laughs> oh my gosh, Sheree, we are talking about from season two, episode three, Tether, and I was just telling you off mic, I think this is maybe one of the best episodes that the show has ever done. It is definitely the one I would submit for the Emmy if I were in charge of anything. Mm-hmm. We have some amazing performances. We have some amazing material. And we're like really getting into the aftermath of what this does to this town and these people in this town. Yeah, this is a really emotional episode. Like I could see edgelord fanboys looking at this and saying oh there's no murders there's no attacks there's not enough going on but you're right by kind of exploring the aftermath of a really hard night and what it does to these people's psyches and their emotional states it's so impactful yeah and it it gives us different glimpses into different people this is also the first episode where we get to see boyd and ellis on the same team And Mm -hmm. that rapport and that energy was also just delightful because they've been enemies since we met them. (laughs) And so it was (laughs) it was kind of nice to be like, hi, we're on the same side. What's going on? Let's use our words. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this episode feels like the creative team has a really good understanding of who these characters are. And what we talked about that. We're not calling it a two-part premiere, but that's what it was, how we only really had time for certain characters because it was dictated by the plot. It definitely feels like this is a really good balance of we're going to touch in on everybody, we're going to give them that moment to shine, but this is like a significant episode in that I think we see nearly every character on the show. Yes, even the ones we don't have names for yet, because... (laughs) I still could not figure out his fucking name. We don't know his name. We don't know the old lady's name. But we know Kelly's name for sure because it plays into a part of maybe Boyd's history. (laughs) Maybe Boyd's psyche. Okay, so let's start with Kelly because we had a joke in the last episode where we were like, and Kelly and Brian don't matter. They're just the people who died in the bar. Lo and behold, Kelly ends up being this emotional linchpin for the entire fucking episode. And I felt like, wow, I'm a piece of shit for writing this character off because this is such a good, I don't know, like it's such a good performance and this is such an intriguing character. And then she's dead. Yeah, like that whole ride. And I I love that we had the trio we had out there with her because they are definitely the young adults of the group. And Mm -hmm. so it's it's weird to see them all have to like lean on each other because they don't get a lot of time together. I mean, Kitty and Chrissy obviously had some scenes, but like those might be drying up. (laughs) 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 But it was kind of like when something awful happens and your like camp counselors or your like resident hall advisors have to band together. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it felt very that, and it gave them some stuff to do because, again, like they walk around being attractive in this small town and like running from things, but we don't ever get to like give them that moment to be like, "Hi, I'm also a real actor. I right. can also do this." Yeah, this episode is actually a really strong episode for all three of these people. And I I guess I just think it's so ironic that it's being anchored by this. I mean, she's not a day player, but this actress comes in for what, like a little bit of last episode, and then she gets this nice juicy part here. But really, it's all in service of how people react. But she also gets a really good moment where she says, oh, I need to call my mom. And of course, they're not going to tell her, oh, you can't get reception because that's part of the town's mystery. So instead... They offer to dictate it for her, and we get this really emotionally compelling moment where she says, you know, like, I left my mother in a bad state, like, we were fighting, please tell her this, and it's like, I should not be feeling emotional about this character that I have barely spent any time with, and yet, the show manages to make me feel something. Yes, yes, that and her whole being there answers well, it doesn't answer, but it like moves forward some of the possible conversations and conspiracy theories I've been playing with because <laughs> she has a cell phone. We've not seen one of those. Mm-hmm. It also plays Wake Up Little Susie, which again is a different time <laughs> situation. <laughs> right. So we're still playing with that, even though like clearly these people are coming from today. Right. And also they fucking put the pole through her head from their food traps. And that is a message if I've ever seen one. Yeah, there's this moment where Kelly says, they attacked my boyfriend, I had to watch him get murdered, but they also said that they wanted to play with me. And then we see her body left out here. And it's so strategic, right? Like these things clearly knew that this was going to be incredibly upsetting to discover. But also they wanted her to be alive. They wanted the survivors to have to go through the process of knowing that they were incapable of helping her. It's so mean-spirited. It's so malicious. And yet it's delectable because it's like, oh, these things aren't just killing people. Like, they have plans, apparently. And those plans seem to be to bother Boyd because what are the odds? (laughs) What are his monologue when he's telling Donna about the person he had to like end because of the things that happened in his own traumatic past? Mm -hmm. And that name was Brian Kelly. And Kelly's boyfriend was Brian. I was Mm -hmm. like, yeah, no, Abby is whispering at you and these things are here for you for whatever reason. And so I don't know. Yes. I don't know what they want of him or if they just knew his plans and where he was, what was happening and they were pissed. So they were like, stay in town. Don't do that again or what. But like, they know too much. This is none of this is coincidence. <laughs> yeah, we definitely speculated last week that the show seems to be positioning Boyd into this new kind of role, right? He's going to have to take on some kind of responsibility because of these things that are under his skin because of what Martin did to him. And then we discover this, right? It's like, oh, they don't just know about Abby. They know about whole other details of his past. And you're right. It does seem like they're coming for him. And it feels personal. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I I don't know. Because, like, I, I don't think we're going to go the route that this is all in his head. But no. also, I feel like he is being targeted specifically more often than anybody else. Because... Yeah, the Matthews are getting their, like, glimpses of things and, like, getting their whispers of things and Mm -hmm. they're talking to Jim directly on the radio. But, like, they're not going through half the things Boyd is. And, like, 
the specific pieces they're putting in to be like, we see you and to like try and like mess with them. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so intriguing. But also, you did raise this valid point that we've now got Tabitha seeing a couple of grody looking kids. I really appreciated that we've got this annoying scene where she sees them and then Julie's like, what? What's going on? What did you see? And Tabitha says, nothing. And Julie refuses to let it drop. So Tabitha eventually has to confess, oh, I've been seeing things. These kids seem mean. This is not like a happy thing. So as much as I was a little annoyed by Julie and Tabitha in this episode. I felt like it was nice that we pushed through that and characters actually had to start revealing things. Agreed. Because it feels like they've remembered to give Tabitha stuff to do. And we're about to get back into that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's so much good gentle world building in this episode like i love the acknowledgement that ethan says you know hey are we gonna get our stuff out of the pit that used to be that house we were living in and you can see this look of panic cross tapitha's face and then she immediately goes to tian chen and says hey can we look in this stuff because we literally don't have anything and then we also get in the same very episode donna saying that storm wiped out half of our crops like people have dire situations on the show and i'm really appreciative that the show isn't trying to just wash it away and say like no it's fine don't worry about it like these characters are going to be okay like things are getting dire very and i i'm worried because like we were worried about the monsters but also when they run out of food will it become yellow jackets Mm -hmm. like what are we gonna do (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean and that's why it's so enjoyable when we realize what that rod sticking out of kelly's head is you're just like because we've seen kenny looking for that piece of the trap because they need those pieces in order to catch games so that they don't starve to death That also is a thing, because, like, if these creatures are like, we're going to mess up these traps every night so they can't eat, mm-hmm. to what gains? Because, like, you don't want to starve your own food supply, but also, is it just like, we're that kind of monster? Ha ha, he he. Mm. And so, because, like, the, all the traps were empty, which is suspect. Right. Yeah. But it was a storm, so maybe this was just a temporary thing. Hopefully. i mean who knows we also don't have nathan who was the animal keeper because his sister killed him last season also guess who's back back in the house (laughs) i was i'm not gonna lie i was excited to see sarah because she always Mm -hmm. brings chaos with her always and i love that kenny found her because kenny had no idea she was still with us and so Mm -hmm. This is about to be a portrayal from his father figure who just got his original son back and is now mm. about to upset his surrogate son. <laughs> the question is, Kenny is so empathetic to people. I wonder if he will protect Sarah and keep her secreted away in the basement. I think he's definitely going to bring it up to Boyd, if nothing else. And that's mm. when the tension's going to arise. And also, how long can they keep this woman who's killed so many people now, <laughs> hidden in this very small town. 
Yeah, this is going to be interesting because I remember when we were talking about season one in the first episode, we debated whether it was possible to quote unquote rescue Sarah's character, right? Like, can we as an audience, never mind the characters on the show, can we ever forgive her for everything that she's done? So I'm super intrigued if we're going to try to pardon her or give her a redemption arc or something like that. Same, because at the end of the day, she killed Kenny's dad. She killed mm-hmm. the woman with Kenny's dad. Yep. And she also killed her own brother while trying to kill a child. And so, mm-hmm. like, we can't have her over for game night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'm trying to imagine Sarah playing games. <laughs> Just like Scrabble. <laughs> I- <laughs> the voices told me this was a word. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and so I, I don't know what we're going to do with her, but she's also tuned in because right. whatever's going on, certain people have the frequency to sort of borrow from Storm Echoes. Mm-hmm. And Fatima sort of mentioned that to Elgin, who is definitely tuning in to some of these weird channels. Oh, sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I want to know as many people as possible are able to do that. But also, again, they've used her to g- kill some of them before. And so I just can't trust her. Yeah, no. So that's going to be one of those things where I think we're going to keep an eye on it. I'm intrigued to see how they handle it. But let's talk about this kind of frequency or shine because yeah, Elgin is still very plugged into this. He knows that there's a body of water nearby. So Fatima takes him over there. And I love her acknowledgement that he is not the first person to be tuned into this because it acknowledges the things that Boyd has seen and Tapitha has seen and Victor has seen and Ethan has seen without having to say like, oh, let's all get together for a group meeting so we can talk about the ghosts we've watched. Exactly. (laughs) But also, I need more answers. Like, that was the only problem I really had with this episode is everybody gets this moment to shine, but then the scene is over because we're also trying to fit in everyone else's moment. So I was like, uh, where's the follow up to that where, you know, Fatima says, oh, people have tried to do this before. It doesn't amount to anything except for the fact that we are stuck here. And then we just cut. And I'm like, no, I need to hear Elgin say, Here's my contributing part to this. This is what I'm seeing. This is how I'm connected to all of this. Like, I need the explanation. (laughs) (laughs) That is one of two scenes this episode that we don't follow up on. And Mm -hmm. I wanted immediate answers. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was like, but like, let him speak. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Let him contribute. So what was the other one then? The other one, weirdly enough, (laughs) was Victor and Jade. Because... They're finally having the moment of, mm-hmm. I'm seeing the symbol, you have answers, let's talk about it. But yep. like, we get to that point, and then we're just like, we don't see them anymore this episode. I'm like, Mm-mm. but I need them to actually do stuff this time. This is the <laughs> one time I want more. What? I appreciate that we're giving David Alpay an opportunity to play the violin, and we give Victor like a reasoned, rational human response when he gets angry that people have gone through his room. But yeah, that's Eden. I needed to go a beat longer. I needed more. Right? Because Victor does stop to turn around. And I'm just like, is he going to be helpful this time? Or is he going to do Victor shenanigans? And mm-hmm. we don't know. So I assume we shenanigans. <laughs> but I can't prove it. No. So somebody who does not give us shenanigans, I would argue this is a very, very good episode for Donna as well. Yes. Oh, I love Donna so much. And she 
feels these deaths personally. She holds herself responsible. Mm-hmm. And we knew that from last season when the man ended himself and she was like, I just have to oh, keep working. Right. I forgot about that. Yeah. I love that actor and I love how she embodies this because there's a way of carrying these guilty feelings without like crumbling and crying every five seconds. Mm-hmm. And she does it. like, And she also gives us more details because she's like, between the people in the diner and the bodies we found, we have 22 of the 25. Mm-hmm. And now we know Kelly's 23. So there's two more people out there. We assume right. Brian's one of the two that we're not going to see, but we don't know. Like- right. Yeah. I wonder if Burke was the other one. Jacket guy. I think he would have been in the camp because she said that there was, they had 25 on the bus initially and they found 22 between the bodies and the people in the diner. Mm. And so I okay. think- Burke's included, but again, there was three bodies out there, and we found Kelly, and they wouldn't have known Brian's name, so he could be one of the bodies they found in the bar, mm-hmm. or he could be out in the woods <laughs> in pieces. Who knows? <laughs> and then there's another body either way, because again, like, we have one or two bodies floating. Right. Yeah. No, this is... This is intriguing, right? I I guess just to stick with Donna for an extra moment, I appreciated that she also called Boyd on his bullshit. Like, she didn't demand to know what he had seen out there. She just wanted to know, hey, are you back? Are you ready to face this with me? Because really, she's the other de facto leader of the town, right? Like, he looks after the town. She looks after Colony House and... It's one of those like, okay, we're both in this together. Like we're surrogate mom and dad. And also I can't fucking do this without you because I already made a mess of it. Yes, I I love that. And I also love how she, she really does care about Boyd and she cares about Ellis. Mm-hmm. And she cares about everybody. She's the most empathetic person who also just will shoot you if she needs to. And yeah. <laughs> I love that for her <laughs> because we saw... We saw how she sort of like took care of Ellis specifically at Colony House before it all went to shenanigans. Mm-hmm. And we see how she's telling this new person who we still don't know his name that you can't have a gun in town. And we know it's because of Abby's meltdown. And right. Boyd confirms that without also saying that because Donna's not like, let's expose all the trauma and secrets, but also you can't do mm-hmm. that. And I'm at a 10 because of reasons. can you imagine oh the reason that we don't allow guns in town is because the sheriff's wife went on a shooting rampage so it's probably just safer for everybody if we don't right i i don't even know what i would do i would be like so like the calls are coming from inside the house as well (laughs) you want me to Uh sleep here (laughs) um yeah it does make it a little bit easier to understand why this aj simmons character whose name we still don't know is put back by this but i will say i was more frustrated by bacta the bus driver who's Mm -hmm. she's still very like i'm not interested i'm not listening to any of this i'm just like oh my god i i will give these characters one more episode to get their shit together and get on board with this because i don't want to listen to five more episodes of people saying "Mm, i don't really believe right like, we've seen the proof. Like, the bus was filled with the evidence. <laughs> I don't know what else they want. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you think this was staged? Do you not believe that you could go outside and survive? Like, I, I just don't understand what more proof these people need. <laughs> 
Okay, there's one other character. I realized we were calling her Mary. It turns out that Christy's girlfriend's real name is Marielle. But uh, they get a couple of scenes to kind of figure their shit out. Did any of this surprise you or does it just feel like a natural extension of where they were at last episode? I'm a little confused because, again, her fiance, because we found out they were engaged, not just dating. Her fiance Mm -hmm. was gone for six months. She turns up in this weird town with monsters. And she's like, I'm going to stay with the strangers I met on the bus because I just can't do this right now. And I'm like, what in the 90s teen drama, girl? (laughs) Yeah, it was a little bit of manufactured conflict. But I also kind of get it. Like, I really appreciated when Marielle says, you're acting so normal. I don't know how this doesn't upset you more. And part of me thinks, well, Marielle, you haven't been here for six months. Like, every fucking day is like this. So yeah, I've developed some defense mechanisms to protect my mental health. But also... I think it's just laying some good groundwork for Christie's arc in this particular episode where she's like, okay, I'll give you some space. And then what happens with Kelly is so fucking upsetting, just like Donna, just like Boyd. Christie's not okay. So she comes back and she says, I need you to stay with me. I need you to be here for me. Exactly. Because again, there's a lot to talk about, but I don't think staying with strangers <laughs> was going to resolve it. No. Like, if I if I knew someone in a really fucking scary situation, I am gluing myself to them. Like, I would be with Christy the entire time. I would not let her out of my sight because I don't trust any of these other fuckers. And this is scary. Right? Right? We would be side by side for the rest of my time there, however small it would be. Because yeah, at the bar. Right? <laughs> At the bar, oh, are we going to the bathroom? Let's go mm-hmm. then. Like, yeah. I would never be alone in this weird town, especially because <laughs> I don't know the rules. My partner does. Mm-hmm. And so we can figure out how to feel about these last six months as we are surviving. Yes, exactly. I do also love the kind of um, bait and switch where Boyd's like, oh, we're going to have a wedding because we've got these two engaged people. And then... Little does he know they're kind of in a rocky situation. But then by the end of the episode, we get Ellis proposing to Fatima. Right? Because he's like, let's do it now. Let's not wait and see if the monsters will let us have joy. Let's just do this. Because I think seeing her in her weird moment the night before, which again, I feel was Mm. a discredit to that character. um, I think seeing that has sort of reminded him of how he was worried about his mom. And he is trying Mm -hmm. to like keep her grounded. And right. so he's like, let's just do it. Let's just do the marriage. Let's not wait. Um, who are we waiting for anyways? Because we don't know how long we're going to be here. Let's just exactly. go. Exactly. The fact that these people aren't just relishing every day. Like I recognize if you're someone like Donna or Boyd, you do need to think of the future. You need to think of, oh my God, are we going to starve? Do we have enough talismans and this kind of shit? But if you're a regular person like Fatima or Ellis, where you don't really have that much of a job <laughs> here, it's like... Why are you not just living for every minute, every hour? Exactly. Because it might be your last, literally. Mm-hmm. Literally. <laughs> so many people literally at the last moment. <laughs> um, okay. I think that kind of covers everything I wanted to talk about. Was there anything else that caught your eye in this episode? I mean, again, I think that this was definitely a Boyd episode, and I, when he was talking to Abby, 
he was in the woods and at the same time as Kelly and all of them with the Kelly situation. Mm-hmm. And I do wonder if the closer he got to that moment is when Kelly started hearing whatever she was hearing that freaked her out because she was right. fine. And she started yeah. screaming. She heard something and then Boyd was there. And I'm right. like, mm. yeah, I kind of read it as he was so nearby that when she began screaming because she was finally feeling the effects of the rod in her fucking head Mm. that he could just run over but it did seem coincidental that she seemed to hear something and then she started screaming and then he comes over it's like so many things on this show don't feel coincidental they feel intricately planned and it's just that we're not aware of how everything is linked together yet exactly because it was the second watch because again the first watch you're like this is a lot damn Mm -hmm. it's a lot right the second watch, I was like, he was just out there. And I think that that was just her being like, this is my purpose. This is my purpose. Because again, mm-hmm. the frequencies. Right. And she's like, he needs to be here so he can have this moment and get this information so we can continue messing with him. Because again, what are the odds that her boyfriend is Brian, her name is Kelly, mm-hmm. and Boyd has that trauma with somebody named Brian Kelly. And also, while I'm here in my little tinfoil hat, i don't know if it was acting direction or not even intentional but when he was telling donna the story of what happened to brian kelly in his original past Mm -hmm. he kept doing a thing with his arms like his gestures reminded me of the open bodies were laying around town when the monsters are done with them oh hmm that is interesting again how much of this is boys trauma influenced and how much Mm -hmm. is them doing these things to boyd yeah And maybe it's one and the same. Like, they definitely seem to be feeding off of this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think the only other note that I have on this episode is whoever did the sound effects for when they were pulling the rod out of Kelly's head. A plus work, because I... I was so disturbed by it, I literally couldn't even look at the screen. I was, like, squirming and looking away. That was just a beautifully shot moment when they all come together to do that. Mm-hmm. And the way that they handled it, because it could have been so gratuitous and it could have been like, let's flirting. Mm-hmm. But we're focusing on the people who this is going to have an impact on and not the person who is done. Yes. And that's why I think it's so effective because it is emotional. It's humane. You know, not a, <laughs> not in a like, yay, feel good moment. But, you know, like we're focusing on the humanity of these people. Exactly. And it, it it was just beautiful. Again, if I were in charge of anything, I would be like, we're sending this one to the Emmys. Good day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so where do you think we're headed next? I think we have to give Mr. Slasher a name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have to also <laughs> give our old lady a name because she's right? getting too much screen time. <laughs> yes. And I, I think that... Jim is going to have to get out of the hospital and reconnect with his family so they can figure out where they'll be going because that house is getting very full. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, the Jim stuff, I mean, not the most exciting because he's basically on bed rest, but he refuses to stay in bed. I'm interested because Christy and Marielle specifically said, you're going to have to stay in bed for a couple of weeks while you recover, minimum. That's longer than the entirety of the show's run so far. If we're taking this as a kind of like day by day, like each episode equals a day, sometimes even less. So I can't imagine we're going to stick 
Ian Bailey in <laughs> like he's not going to stay in bed for the next two seasons or anything. So I'm actually wondering if he's going to injure himself trying to play hero in the weeks to come. I think so. I really do think he is not completely out of danger yet. Probably because mm-hmm. he's stubborn, like you said. Right. I also appreciated that we didn't put his bandages on his shirt like we did Boyd's in the first moment. What the fuck was with the hat? We see him looking at himself in the mirror in the bathroom, and then he comes out, and yeah, he's got a bandage over his shirt. Like, um, newsflash, dum-dum, that doesn't work. No, if anything, you're making it worse, because, like, whatever's in your shirt is going to get in those wounds. Yeah. Um, It felt like a holdover from, like, in the olden days, where they were like, we have to signal you're injured, so we're going to put this, like, giant band-aid around your hair, Mm -hmm. and people will know you have a brain injury on the soap opera. And I'm just like, we're better than this. (laughs) So stupid. Also, I did love that we get these glimpses of Julie and Tabitha going through old items, because they don't have anything. And at one point, Tabitha's like, this shirt will fit your dad. And Julie goes, ew, there's a giant hole in it. And you recognize it's because someone either got like <laughs> shot or stabbed or mauled in it. And Tabitha's like, eh, what are we going to do? <laughs> I, again, I love when they give Tabitha her moments because she's earned them. Not again, just because I'm obsessed with that actor, but I think Mm -hmm. that we built her as a character last season that is going to help figure out some of this shenanigan. And so to like lose her these first two episodes back to just sort of be like, oh, no, I'm scared. Come on, Victor, let's be worthless. (laughs) I was very upset. And I I feel like between her visions and her having to like be the sole grown up for her family right now because her husband's not going to be able to do anything. I think we're going to get her back. And I'm so happy to see her. Yeah, I think the next couple of episodes are going to lay the foundation for where we're going for the rest of the season. So it'll be intriguing to see who gets a kind of soft reset or a new arc or storyline and i think that's probably what's going to have to happen with tabitha like this this twin kid thing that she's seeing i think is setting her up to have something different to do yes all right so sheree people want to talk to you about this should be considered for an emmy episode how about they get in touch you can find me at miss sheree on instagram and twitter and i Again, I think this is the Emmy-winning episode. If they Mm -hmm. surpass this somehow, Mm. I will cheer. But also, damn, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Where can they find you, Joe? I can be reached at B, still on my remote, and that's the letter B. And I'll give a quick thanks to the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network for hosting the show. But Sheree, if people want to get in touch with both of us to talk about from, how would they do that? You can find us living on those Twitter streets at you should underscore watch nice okay folks so uh we'll be back next week to talk about episode four but uh in the meantime be careful with your potted plants because you've only got so many like cases to work with in this small limited resources town ration your food and get some bed rest (laughs) there we go Scream Pod Squad.